Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 3rd. This is episode 214. My name is Tony. My name is Dennis. Welcome back, Tony. We've only last seen each other a day ago. Yeah, less than yeah, a day ago. Less than a day ago. Because we had to go see Dude. Dan. The sleeper has awoken. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. I was the sleeper because I went to bed like 5.30 last night and I didn't wake up till 5 a.m. this morning. Mm. <laughs> I, oh, well. I don't know what happened. I You're exhausted. I, I, after I got home last night, uh, I was just, I was. I it's from that five guys. Probably. You uh, you looked again at your receipt and <laughs> passed out <laughs> passed from how out. expensive it is to get a burger and fries now. No kidding. Yeah, no, I. Uh, I mean, what is this, a Wendy's? <laughs> Surge pricing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not a topic of today's episode, but timely nonetheless. I, uh, I, I no. I last night I got home. I'm like I'm gonna. I'm like I'm gonna. I played with the dog for like an hour or so, and then I was like I'm gonna lay here on the couch for a little bit and read. Um, yeah, and then it was like 11:30 at night. Mm. Then it was like I was like, oh, I should go to bed. And then it was like 5:30 in the morning. And I'm like, wow, I slept for like 12 hours. So, uh, so you slept yesterday, but you've done more than just sleep over the last couple of weeks. I have, I have, I uh, as part of my continuing uh, uh, saga of finding and playing games that don't involve BattleTech. I even had a mental argument with myself. It's like I uninstalled BattleTech, so if I reinstalled Mech Warrior, would that still? But I decided that that would count because it's still a BattleTech property. Yeah, that feels almost cheating, right? So I didn't. Uh, instead, I bought some games. I actually I bought a Pacific Drive, uh, which I'll talk about more in the video game segment. Uh, but just as a, it feels very much like a an X Files, Twilight Zone, Subnautica. Okay, with a station I played a little wagon. bit of Subnautica, yeah. except for I've got a station wagon instead of a submarine. Okay, well, I mean, that's it's more land based. It, so. Yeah, it's very land based, but it it it's. It's very kind of spooky, eerie. I'll talk about it more in the video game mm. segment. Uh, I'm not terribly far into it, but I've played for a number of hours now. Uh, I also picked up uh, Bellatro, which is a roguelike deck builder based around like an actual deck of cards and building um, poker hands to earn points to hmm. reach point goals. Okay. Uh, it's simple. It's mindless. It, it, it is surprisingly fun and deep. Uh, it'll, it, it's Pacific drive. I can't like watch a show or, mm. or, or video okay. or YouTube videos and stuff and play Pacific drive. There's too much going on in Pacific drive. It, it is, it is a game where when you play that game, that's what you're doing is playing that game. Uh, but Baltro, Balot or Balatro, however you say it, pronounce it. That game I can. Uh, same thing. I also bought a game pl- called Nebula, which is a roguelike bullet hell. So uh, I'm not great at it, mm. but it's kind of fun too. Okay. So it was like a dollar ninety nine. So I was just uh, like, oh, I'll just grab that. Someone's too. been in the discount bin. Discount bin. So yeah, but I'll I'll talk about Pacific Drive more in the video game. Segment. Okay. Good. So, that'll give us something to talk about. There's yeah. not a whole lot here. We do have a new pinball release, though, so that'll be a, that, a good that, chunk that, of our pinball That'll be a good time. chunk, yeah. I, uh, I was going to say, yeah, what have you been up not, to? Not a whole lot. I, I still haven't finished I Am Fish. Uh, I 
over the last week instead, one of the Game Pass, because I do have Core Game Pass, because I got rid of Xbox Gold right. and I switched it to, to Game Pass Core, which doesn't have nearly as many games, but does have some. So they had Power Wash Simulator. So I got that. However, it makes me motion sick, so I don't think I'll be. It's been a long time since the game's done that to you. Most modern graphics don't. And oftentimes in game settings on a lot of shooters, I can turn off uh, like Bob, like where you're not Bob, like the guy, Bob. Yeah, Bob. (laughs) I can't just delete Bob. I can't just take Bob out of the game, folks. It's not, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) The, uh, but, um, a lot of times there'll be like a, a shake, you know, to make it more realistic. So sometimes when you run and stuff, they'll have your weapon bob in front of you and, and things like that. I can usually reduce or turn that off, which can help if I run into like the last game I remember. And it was, I think, an Xbox 360 game was what was it? Bethesda did. I No, not Bethesda. It was id when id was id. It was um, Ru- I want to say Rust, but Rust is a different game. That's a survival game. There, anyway, it was a shooter. It yeah. was a shooter, and it caused the same thing. Now, I do actually, it's probably long expired. I do, in the cabinet, keep Dramamine, which used to be what I would, that will work. If I take Dramamine about a half hour before I play, but I don't like to drug myself in order to play video games. I would usually just move on to another. So I'm pretty I, sure they do that stuff in patches now. That's how long ago that stuff's probably expired. Oh, okay. Patches. I'm pretty certain now it's a patch. You just slap a <laughs> right. whole patch well, on your Because I used to get motion sick when I was a kid, and we would be on a road trip, and I would try and read in the car. So I had to take Dramamine if I wanted to read because I would get nauseous that way otherwise. But I've never gotten sick like on a boat. Or anything. Not that I'm out on the high seas. I'm like on a lake. I'm on a lake. Poseidon, where are you? You don't govern <laughs> lakes. Maybe he does. I don't remember. Anyway, so so I've done a little bit of that, but I I need to start something else up. I'm still in my post golem uh, recovery period, and I was thinking about finishing I Am Fish, but but uh, the that game doesn't like. It doesn't seem to, it checkpoints while I play, but if I don't finish the level and the game closes out, I seem to have to restart the entire level. And so I only play I Am Fish if I have enough time to get through a level, which should take under an hour, but it just depends how hard they are. So anyway, uh, so that is that. And so that concludes our updates. So let's go ahead and jump right in. We actually did receive a few emails, Tony, and I'm going to go ahead and cover them at the start of the pinball segment because most of them are pinball oriented. And this is when I usually cover them. So thank you, everyone who emailed. And a reminder, you can email in to us by writing to eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. The first email is from Glenn. I can't tell you much about the email. All it really was was an image of Gollum. It's an inappropriate image of Gollum. I don't know if you've seen it. All right. I'll probably load it up here on my phone so you can see it because I did not delete the email. However, uh, I just wanted to note because Glenn was, I suppose, maybe kind enough to send in uh, an email. So that was nice of him. But the problem is I can't I can't describe it without beeping myself. It's it's completely. Oh, Glenn. Okay. It's completely oh, Glenn, inappropriate. That's precious. It's completely it's precious, precious. Is precious is kind of you to say, Tony. It's completely. Oh. It's. I don't know how to feel about it, but it's. It's definitely uh, wholly it, inappropriate to like. I can't describe it. 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 I. Yeah. It, I. I can understand that. It is. It is very hilarious I, okay. I i i i find it quite funny okay well thank you glenn for writing in with your inappropriate golem yeah so that made dennis feel funny things 
Uh, okay. Well, you want to talk about feelings. Let's have a discussion about what Steve wrote. So Steve wrote in, this is mostly aimed at me. And I told Steve, we discussed this one on this episode. So here's what he wrote. Dennis, my friend, why does it baffle you that people want Jaws to eat the pinball? It is literally the only thing it does in the movie. That's like having a music theme where the musicians don't play music, but sit around on a porch. If they made a Doom-themed pin, it would be as if you'd never shoot anyone. If you had a Back to the Future pin, but you never actually time-traveled, ever. Dennis, you're a smart man. Please stop feigning confusion as to why people wanted Jaws to eat the pinball. The pinball, of course, is a representation of many things in games. In this case, it would be a person. All that many of us expected from the game was that the big fishy do the thing. Nothing more. But instead, we get to tie knots. White knuckle knot tying action. Other than that, keep up the good work. Thank you, Steve, for writing in. We appreciate it. Tony is uh, laughing quite a bit because he didn't. I did not show him these ahead of time. So he's finding <laughs> out about, about these emails. Um, I obviously need to check emails more often. Yeah, well, well I, 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 I paste them in here or I show them to you on my phone if they're inappropriate to go into right. the OneNote. For obvious reasons like Golem is not going into the OneNote. So I, this is a good. All right. Let me start with the the feigning confusion, because he is right. I've only feigned confusion. I know exactly why people want the shark to eat the ball. It's because it's the most obvious toy in the in the history of obvious. I mean, it is. No, right? you're right. It, am I wrong? No, 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 you're correct. And I'm I'm saying it that way to be you know, playful, playfully patronizing, because it's 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 the concept a child would come up with, and I'm not five. And I don't need children to come up with ideas. And I'm just as guilty of it, Tony. We, how many games have we talked about where it's like, oh, like Die Hard. Well, I mean, there's pl- like, well, they got to have Nakatomi Tower, right? I mean, they got to. They got to. Well, what if they don't? Did it ruin the game? Probably not is where I'm coming in at. And Steve might be coming in at a different direction. I, I want to give him an extra A plus for the, the not tying burn. Because that's actually, I wish I had come up with that. That's, because that's, that's, that's solid. a pretty, that is that's good. a pretty good burn, and I'm a little jealous that I did not come up with that. Um, so back to the future and time traveling, let and doom and shooting. Let's let's draw a line though. Like I, I have only played Jaws a few times at this point, but like the sharks like do eat things in the game. It's just there's not a toy. I mean, there was a Back to the Future game. It starred a potato as Marty McFly. And I think there was time travel in it, but you didn't literally put the ball in the DeLorean and watch it move on the play field. That right? would be cool. Yeah. I, yeah I, Except for it wouldn't because it would probably be well, like Maverick and yeah. it would get in there and it would take that, two and a half minutes to make the turn because it <laughs> and then drop the now, ball back out. If you wanted me to be super literal with what Steve's proposing... If the shark is trying to eat the ball because the ball is a person, then the only time it really primarily would make sense is when you drain. Because if you're playing the person, when the person dies, shouldn't you lose your turn? I mean, you shouldn't just be like loading a shark with a ball in the mouth. Like, But if you're playing the shark. If you're playing the shark... And in the end, they did, when the game came out, I don't know if a lot of people remember this because I don't think these rules are out yet, but they said you're going to be able to play the game both ways. One way as the shark, but currently you are like as Quint, you're the shark hunter or Quinn or whatever, I forget his character's name. And 
I so I I get it. I so get it. But here, I'm trying to figure out a way to say it that doesn't sound super mean. Oh no, people. you 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 already crossed that. bridge. Uh, did I? You, okay. you crossed that right. bridge earlier. Right. So <laughs> everyone, Steve, and everyone, everyone else, not just you, Steve, all the Steves. All the Steves, all the all the listeners, I want you to gather around. Gather around the campfire. Pull up your stool. No, not the metal stools. This is an old-timey story. It needs old-timey wood stools. Pull up your stool. Gather around the fire. Let me tell you a tale. Let me tell you a tale about a game called pinball. And let me tell you a tale about a game of pinball themed around another game, basketball. Now, there have been a lot of different basketball games that have come out over time, Tony. I'm kind of curious. What's your favorite basketball game? game pinball game that you've ever played hoops hoops okay Gottlieb game i have it it's downstairs it's a tournament darling um i think a lot of other people would agree with you i think a lot of people might say harlem globetrotters they would an but- excellent early solid state game you know what there's also nba fast break there's the the shack game there was the new super hoop that came out of europe here's the thing objectively, I'm going to say it objectively, and you can decide if it's objective or not. This is my campfire story. Objectively, the majority of people are going to say Harlem Globetrotters or Hoops is the greatest basketball-themed pinball game ever. What do those two games lack that all the other ones have? Putting the ball through a stupid hoop. I want to make a basket. (laughs) So they're all basketball But two of these games don't actually go, hey, you know what we should do, guys? We need to put the ball into the basket as a toy. And then there are a whole host of crappy ones that did, including NBA Fast Break, which is not a good game. And if you do not believe me, just see how many are out there still because they got parted out to fix good things like Attack from Mars. <laughs> they did. No, That's how it was wrong. back in the day until new people came into the hobby and pretended every pinball game that was ever made was good and worthy of life when they're not. Now, obviously, stepping away from the campfire, you can like whatever game you want and you could want whatever toy you want. And I totally stand behind all the Steves in the world who go and look at that game and say, that shark does not eat that ball. I am not paying $7,000. I have dismissed pinball games for far less than that. This is serious money. It takes up serious space. Judge it on whatever reason you want. However, what makes a game is not the toys. It's the geometry and the rules that implement around that geometry. And if you don't believe me, just ask Harlem Globetrotters and Hoops, because we've seen plenty of history where the decision to do the thing ruined a game. I'm going to go ahead and say those baskets ruined the game, because why have none of these other basketball games risen to the level of a couple of single-level titles? Because they're inferior for some reason. And I'm going to say it was the addiction to that toy. You were so busy to see if you could, you didn't stop to ask if you should. <laughs> So that's why I push back against this notion of just making things do the thing, because it can actually make a worse game. Maybe not visually, right? but I don't own games because they look nice. I own games because I play when I do play, which I haven't played for like a week. But if I was, that would be what I would say. So anyway, that's my soapbox rant in terms of my response to what Steve has to say. What do you think? Should the shark just have eaten the ball? I mean, I think it's an obvious toy, but I... Don't think it not being there means it's a game that should just be, you know, 
shuddered and I mean we've seen and, this on, and, on plenty I mean, of other things. Yeah. Aside from basketball. Remember when Mandalorian came out and this one was less obvious, so I think this one is is fair to I, I'd actually be a, my confusion was actually more genuine with it than this which which was indeed feigned. Uh, I thought I had made it really obvious that I was I was doing that in the whole I'm I know all about you pinball collectors at this point and what little silly things you become addicted to. But Mandalorian and the insistence that Grogu actually wave him wave or move in some capacity, that one was out of left field. It was just I think it was because it was so big. When the game got real, like people didn't right. know what to expect with the layout. And then when it came out, you had this, especially on the premium LE, you had this moving upper play field that was supposed to mimic the uh, the Man- Mando ship. Mm-hmm. But over on the left is Baby Yoda, Grogu, and Grogu is a static. And everyone got really hung up about it. Remember? I do like, remember Why doesn't that. he move his arm? Well, yeah, he had that one scene where you know Carl Weathers said something and he waved his hand at him, which was an adorable scene in the in the first season, but it's like, I don't I don't know. Did we did we really need him to wave? And then people made mods, which was fine. And if you wanted to spend 21 pages of installation to install <laughs> the mod, I mean, hey, it's your game. Do what you yeah. want. But Wow, did it make the game any better? Not really. Not from a playing standpoint. Maybe visually. You might have thought it was worth it. That's up to you. But anyway, thank you again, Steve, for writing and got us a compelling discussion. We do have one final email, another one that also has to do with pinball. This is from Doug. Doug writes in and says, Hi, Tony and Dennis. Sorry, Doug. This is the voice I've decided to give you. You had mentioned the low possibility of Centaur deposits sitting in escrow. Even if that was the case and those deposits were sitting in a CD instead of their accounts payable checking, after that announcement, I would imagine the bal- that balance would be drained soon due to the reaction to the press release, leaving Haggis with even less cash. I know if I had a deposit on a Centaur right now, after reading that press release, as transparent as it was, I would be pulling my deposit immediately. My prediction is far-fetched, but it is this. Haggis shutters, either CGC or Pedretti buys the IP, buy the IPs and any existing parts to build Fathom and Centaur in a down-under liquidation sale and either sell the parts as spares or build the games complete. Okay, well, thank you, Doug, for writing in. And for those that aren't familiar, on the last episode, we talked about the letter that Haggis had released regarding recapitalization and a shift in their manufacturing processes because their just-in-time approach has not been uh, in time. Yeah. So what do you think of, of Doug's thoughts here? Tony. I mean, I think he's right. I I would be pulling my money, but I would but then I'm pretty against the pre-order model anyway. So I don't I don't do pre-orders especially of something of that size. Uh so I wouldn't be in that situation. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's more complicated, I believe, than than Doug's approach is considering. And I don't know where Doug lives because different nations have different rules on this. See, these are non-refundable deposits. So oh, you yeah. can't, even if they were in escrow. So they're gone. They're, they're gone, gone. You, you can't pull them back out because you agreed when you put in the deposit that there would be no refund of the deposit. Now, the reason why I mentioned I don't know where Doug lives, in some countries... That sort of provision, as I understand it, I am not a lawyer, especially an international lawyer, so nothing I say on this episode is to be construed as legal advice. There, with that out of the way. I believe in some countries you cannot you cannot legally enforce a non-refundable deposit provision. I had a discussion with someone, I believe he was in Brazil, who had mentioned that uh, in his country, if you want a refund on something and you haven't been delivered the product, there is no non-refundable. So 
it may not be the way it is here in the my understanding in the United States is non-refundable means non-refundable. Now, for those, for example, because I am uh, familiar with flipping out pinball because I do the pinball show with Zach, who owns flipping out pinball with his wife, they had promised to do uh, refunds of the deposits if Haggis failed. So in that regard, if you bought through that distributor, my understanding is you can get your deposit back if and only if Haggis actually goes under, uh, pun not intended. So it's not a, oh yeah, this is a refundable deposit in the sense like if you want to change your mind on the non-refundable deposit, you can do some mind changing and get your money back. It was a, hey, if you're unsure about this new company, I get it. If it goes away, I'm going to make you whole. But the deposits are at Haggis, like like how Doug thinks, because they everyone like if it went through a distributor or you went through Haggis directly, they still required the money to start the build. So they and this is standard. Like all these other companies asking for deposits, they're using this deposit money for some purpose. It's generally not sitting in an account. The only instance I knew of where I had a sense of something escrow like happening was when Dutch Pinball started building Big Lebowski's without the contract manufacturer. I think Cointaker did something like this, where they saved the whole amount of the game or something in essentially escrow. might have literally been escrow. I don't know. Legally, they set it up that way. And then the money was only shipped over, sent over to Dutch when Dutch said, we have the game. It's in the box ready to go because no one trusted Dutch after what happened, happened with Ara and the early adopters. So I think it's a it's a I would agree with Doug if they weren't non-refundable. But since they are non-refundable, even with like protections like flipping out has has told buyers, it's it's not a oh you're scared now you get your deposit back. No, the, I mean Haggis has to basically collapse. Like they have to be saying like it has to be at the point where you are not getting your game. So you get your deposit back. And that's not going to be a refund as near as I know from Haggis to flipping out. It's going to be Zach's going to have to take that out of his out of his profit, out of his company. Yeah. Because he sent the money over to Haggis. They all do. When deposits are due, Stern's the same way. When the distributors need to send in deposits for all those games they're supposed to get. And then, you know, they get the balance of the money in when the game is ready to go to the customer. Because I bought a couple, couple of games and it's like, uh, you know, I didn't do the pre-order thing, but at some stage I have to send the full money over and then they, you know, they make their share and Stern gets their balance and however they want to do it. So, but thank you, Doug, for writing in. It was interesting. Uh, regarding his prediction, what'd you think about that? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know about them but, going under. I can completely but the see CGC Pedretti but the CGC Pedretti thing. I don't know. I would, I it's one of those things I would classify as a, very unlikely possibility. And he noted far-fetched. So yeah. I ag- I agree with you, Doug, about it uh, being pretty far-fetched. I would say I don't think I do not think it's at all fathomable, pun intended this time, that CGC uh, moves in for this old of a game uh, to do as a remake, especially with their build speed. Pedretti, maybe, maybe Pedretti, but not uh, but not CGC. But um uh, but what I th- would like to see happen, uh, because, and it, it it could be a twist on this. It doesn't have to be this one way, obviously. But I would like to see Haggis maybe open up discussions with a company like American Pinball, which probably could use some building uh, contracting work, because I don't think they're busy enough making Galactic Tank Force. 
and see about shifting the games that need to be sold to the U.S. over to a U.S. producer. And I think it's just easiest to go ahead and contract manufacture that. And we do have entities here in the States that know how to build. So given that, I think that would maybe help with some of their supply chain stuff. The problem is I just don't think they've got the finances in place to be able to enter into that level of agreement right now. It should have been done before, but it's all speculation. So anyway, thanks again, Doug, for writing in. Uh, quick little note, I'm hearing that more and more Pulp Fictions are getting out into the wild. I actually saw in our Kansas City Pinball Discord group that uh, some people were talking about their experiences playing it. So more and more people are actually getting to lay hands on it, which is great. And our last pinball thing, Tony, is we're going to talk a little bit about The Princess Bride because we knew it was going to be revealed just after our last episode. And it was truly uh, done, as you would expect. So this is the latest first party title for the P3 and the second licensed game. The first being uh, the Weird Al Museum of Natural Hilarity. And so I do have a link in the show notes to Pinball News. They have a, I think, a nice article summarizing the various levels and what's in the game with a lot of photos. So you can go and check that out if you want to really look at it. Uh, Quick highlights in terms of the approach. Since this is a P3, this is a modular game. So you have a couple of options. If you already own a P3, you can either get a module standard edition or a module limited edition or... If you don't have a P3 or want another P3 for some reason, you can get the full system with module as the standard edition, limited edition, or collector's edition. There's a limit of 750 on the limited edition and a limit of 500 on the collector's edition. So try and keep it straight, kind of a la JJP, because Jersey Jack used to do this tri-tier approach with two different limited runs, one called collectors. The price, if you do not own the system, it's 11500 for a standard, 12750 for an LE, 13750 for collectors. And if you own a P3, you can get the standard edition module as a kit for $3,750 or $5,000 if you want the LE version. And, and you have to buy, if you want collector's edition, it has to be the whole system. Yes, because some of the add-ons, like they have decorative cabinet-mounted swords and, and stuff and special you know, powder coat on the legs where they've decided, I mean, they're doing stuff to the entire machine. So right. basically the decision was made that they need to, if you want it, like they're not going to let you like get all the parts and install it yourself. You need to buy a system. What do you think of that choice? It makes sense for what they're doing. I think that I, I would not be surprised to see a few P3 people angry about it. But the thing is, is I don't think overall it's going to matter. Yeah, I I think this, given what they wanted to do for CEs, I think this made sense. Do you think they sell out of the CEs or LEs? No. I agree. I don't either. Uh, this is expensive. Uh, if you don't own the system already, this is expensive. I mean, eleven five for a standard. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a lot of money. So that's something people are going to have to factor in. the uh, The module. So for those not familiar with P three, basically the first two, the lower two thirds is a screen. There's a scoop wall that that can come up and it sort of segregates out where the modules go in, and then the back third ish of the game is a module. Uh, the layout is of the module is, I think, fair to say, quite fanish. 
Uh, I did watch some of the Buffalo pinball stream. It looked relatively safe as a shooter. This not I. This not a fan layout in the sense that I believe it uses the upper flippers for some stuff still. So I don't classify it as a true fan layout, but it's still very very familiar approach. I'd say the neatest toy on it is the Cliffs of Insanity on the upper right because the ball it magnetizes there and you can make progress and the ball sort of slowly climbs up the cliff as you, you know, make a shot it goes a little bit further up so i think that's pretty neat that's the that's the main toy though i would i would agree with those that would say it's relatively subdued compared to some of the other toys that we've come to know p3 for but it very thematically appropriate so it is i, I think it was a good choice um kind of a assembled uh plastic castle in the upper left they got a couple of mechanized swords for sword fighting up over in that section and you know you have habit trails and some ramps and uh, i think they got optus spinner going on on that uh module as well so i got some stuff um lots and lots of theme integration though not just in terms of the way that that back module looks but they've got modes so like i watched part of the battle of wits but they also have the battle of steel and battle of strength as modes so they got the fire swamp i think it was uh steven silver i believe who i saw indicate that who worked on the game uh that while it doesn't have the entire movie in the game Every like major scene that you can remember, every quote that anyone ever bothers with from the film, it's in the game in some place. And from what I've seen of it, I, I agree. I think they got all of that in there. In fact, um, on the pinball show, when we talked about this game, I was a little critical uh, of the Battle of Wits because the clip scenes were they're not those little vignette little snaps like we've seen out of jjp and stern this was like was watching the entire scene while you were making the shots which i thought was a little non-pinball-y but uh zach loved it because he's like well i really that's what i want i want to see and hear the movie and oh they've got the movie and they uh they put it front and center it is it is a nice change from the early halloween hmm well, that, yeah, I don't know what Spooky was thinking with the PowerPoint flash animation stuff. The animation here uh, looks better than what I've typically associated with P3. It's now, that's partly just screen layout, like back, back glass uh, translate area where they have a screen in the back box. I think that part looks well integrated. Kind of reminds me of something like JJP would do from Hobbit. I've seen others make that comparison. The uh, The main play field screen, I like how they put the rules like down by the slings, like in a little book area will pop up. However, they also like to play the movie down there in addition to being on the back box. And it takes up a lot of space, which I understand why they're doing, because if you take a look at some of the photos of the screen, it basically, it's sort of a page out of final resistance where there's it's static, but instead of looking like a static play field, it's like a map. There's hmm. just like a map, a backdrop with like rivers and stuff. Right. And like what? But I don't remember a map in the movie. Like, I don't remember that. It's just, I get it because it looks kind of fantastical. It reminds me of something of like King's Quest from Sierra or something. But it, so they, the solution to not having it feel overly like a phone game down there was to make it really static. But it's very generic because of that. Because they also didn't go with the direction of making it look like with shot progression. Like, you look at the module. I love the arrow inserts on the module. Like, the shots are clearly identified. Very pinball. Once you get into the screen, eh, there's some stuff, there's some labeling, but a lot of it just feels like this map until you get the pop-ups. And the pop-ups do take up most of the screen. So most of the time you're going to be seeing the movie like up at the in the, in the middle third. Like that's movie. 
That's it's just a framed movie. Just screen. watching the movie. Yep. Yeah. That's how it came across to me watching the Buffalo stream. Uh, but anyway, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? I think this is a great theme for them. I think I do think it's a good theme. This for is them. a good theme for pinball in general. So uh, agreed. Uh, I know I, when the announcement was made, I heard a number of people who were very disappointed because it was P3. Oh, I could, I mean, I understand that. Cause, uh, cause they're, I mean, you have to, you have to get the platform if you want. Right. It. And, 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 and that's what it is. And most of them were people who've, had less than stellar uh, interactions with with the P3 okay. platform. So there are people who have played it before. Yes, uh, but I think overall, it's a good, it's a great theme for them. It's a great theme for pinball, uh, and hopefully it goes well. I think they're doing a lot of really interesting things with it. Uh, I think it kind of hurts them, in 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 my opinion. To have uh, this kind of theme following so close behind Labyrinth because Labyrinth was just so beautiful. I don't know how it plays. I've not played it. But I think Labyrinth is overall the better looking machine. Mm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Labyrinth did rely on a lot of 3D sculpts, whereas you can see here, there's it's a lot of flat plastics. Right. Which is a criticism we've seen come at. at Like, that's what Stern loves to do on their pros. Right. A lot of flat flat plastics plastics to save money. So, which, well, I mean, and it, it makes sense. Uh, so we'll see overall. I know uh, I'm just going to assume that this is going to be playable at Texas in two weeks. Mm. So, yes, I believe they have indicated there will be a, a number. There are always a number of P3s at Texas uh, and that a, you know, not all of them, but a, a set number of them will be featuring this game. So. Right. So uh, hopefully we'll have more thoughts on it then. But overall, I mean, I think it's a great theme. I, I, I love the movie, and we'll see how it actually plays. And I think they've got some interesting ideas on here, like you said. But it'll just be a matter of how does it actually play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think this will do decent for them. I, yeah, how it plays, uh, it'll be interesting. I think Texas could be a really good opportunity for them to to get a lot of, of attention to it. And if it holds up and plays well, there may be some, some individuals that'll, that'll pull the trigger on it. The price, and this is true for any pinball machine. The, uh, the price is such a barrier, especially given you cannot, unless you already own a P3, you cannot get into this under five figures. And right. I, people that that's going to be the big question is people are going to look at that and ask whether or not they see five figures worth of value, just like what's happening with Jersey Jack right now. Where people look and say, is there, it's got more than a stern premium, yes, but does Elton John have $12,000 worth of stuff in it? And right. it's, I think pinball has been slow to realize that what worked in 2020, 2021 does not work now financially. And just because there's been inflation doesn't mean everyone's cool with the inflation going into their toys. Coupled with, I think on the pinball side, they don't know how to like, like financially how they could survive going down in price. So that's an, I think a lot of them are in a bind where it's like, we can't really drop prices for a variety of reasons, maybe not even just survival, but what, what it would do to like past buyers and. and Right. But at the same time, sales are obviously going down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it was, I knew, I knew opportunities well after a week that you could still get a jaws Ellie. 
So yeah. it's not just the more fringe uh, manufacturers like Multimorph. No, it's, it's everybody. everyone. It's everyone. And so I just, it's going to be, I mean, 11.5 is, that is some pretty big money. Princess Bride fans might be sorely tempted to do it, but I mean, it's just, it's so much. It's right. just so much. If you already have the P3, it's probably a no-brainer for most people then. Like if you're going to just pay the 37.50, but you know, I mean those uh those modules have gone up as well over time, so it's a, a Stern Pro is about $7,000 now, for example. Mm-hmm. So, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be just a little bit under $4,000 to get just the module. That's a pretty decent difference. So, I think for people who own the platform, to me the answer still seems relatively easy that if you're remotely interested in this, you might as well buy it. Um versus like saving up for a Pro. Those that don't and that's the thing is I, I think they've done some adjustment on the pricing on the on the platforms because I, I assume the hope is to get more people to adopt the platform. But it's it's just it's a it's a lot. <laughs> it's just a it lot. Is, it is. And and it still comes with the same baggage that P3 always comes with that when once you're done playing it, you can't just sell the module. Mm. A lot of people might not think about that, though. Because unless they're already independent. I mean, yeah, because I mean, when you're done with Jaws, you can turn around and sell Jaws. When you're done with The Princess Bride, you can't turn around and sell just The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. So. Now, for me, like if I were if I were in the market for this, I wouldn't really see a, a good ins- – I, I, the idea of doing the limited and the collectors makes sense. And the collectors, they've done a lot of cabinet stuff to really distinguish it. The LE, I'm not – it's like it's the topper. And that's like it. Yeah. So basically, I know it's not literally the only the only thing. Like they've got their digital limited edition digital translite, uh, and it comes with a standard as well. So you can you can do that. But um, they other than that, it's just it's just the topper. What I think might have made sense, just a spitballing, would have been kind of like looking over at Labyrinth and going, okay, if you get the standard edition, you like you get the flat plastic cl- castle. You get a 3D sculpted castle on the module mm-hmm. if you get the LE. Kind of pulling a page out of Stern and being like, okay, right. what are the toys in the back that we maybe could uh, invest a little bit more in uh, if people are willing to pay you know, another $1,200 or whatever the, the price differential ends up being. So, so that, that's, you know, this isn't an aside. I don't think they expect us. I assume they don't expect to sell out of the LEs either. I think they just wanted to give a middle tier option for people that maybe liked the alternate art package. The art package is pretty good. So it um, is, I could see why people might, maybe they would prefer the LE art and be like, you know what? At 1200 plus you get, you do get the topper and given what toppers are costing nowadays, this isn't like a ridiculous on the, <laughs> on the range of time. It's just oh, not, it it's hurts not. to say that it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. I know. And I still don't really get it, but that's, that's a dentist thing. That's not a, that's not a normal person thing. So anyway, that's all I have for pinball. All righty. I guess we'll, we'll try and try this, uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it is and, and let you know afterwards. Mm-hmm. Cause that's going to be, that'll, that'll be another one of those recording, uh, We'll probably record the, there. Yeah, recording. Uh, there. I might just pack this stuff. Well, up. see, that's what I was. I, I was actually thinking about that since our new recording setup is so portable, as opposed to our old one. Uh, mm. I think I might need to give a preemptive warning, though, that the episode might drop Monday instead of Sunday. That's probably the only thing because I, depending on, well, we probably won't get back super late. Um, I don't know that I'll actually get it uh, compiled because yeah. I do have to work with multiple tracks and stuff. So. That, so just FYI for folks, well, it, the, it might be a day later than normal because of uh, just travel. Yeah. 
because we've adjusted our our our, our like when we leave Texas based mm-hmm. upon being old men. Yes, uh, compared to what we used to, because we used to always get home around midnight or one in the morning. Yeah, and uh, that's just not tenable. That's not it's not worth it for the additional no uh, a couple a couple few hours. hours of play. Yeah, so so, uh, so we shift our leave time earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but all right, video games. Mm. Uh, first off, one of the new games I've been I've been playing, uh, uh, Malatro, uh, it is a roguelike deck building game uh, where you literally start off with a, a, a thing of 52 cards. It's a normal uh, poker deck. You build poker hands. You get points based upon your whatever your hand is and multipliers uh, that you get for depending upon how difficult it is to get the hand. But then there's other modifiers you can build, uh, get through the game, uh, like jokers and new versions of cards and adjustments that you can get. Because, again, it's a roguelike, so you just kind of build up and make changes to each playthrough. Uh, and the, go- the goal is to always just beat a certain score. You have a certain number of hands to beat a certain score. Simple, fun, uh, uh, enjoyable. But what's interesting is actually... Nothing about that. This game came out and it went huge because it just released. I mean, I got it immediately after it came out uh, and it went huge. It sold a lot uh, when it first came out. It was very popular. But after release, um, it has been removed from several digital stores, primarily console related worldwide because the uh, one of the rating companies, which has not been said which rating company it is, but one of the rating companies changed its rating from three plus to 18 plus mm. due to, uh, per, or per or having prominent, uh, gambling imagery and instructions on about gambling and gambling, anti-gambling regulations in a lot of countries have gotten really large and are noticeable to the point where a lot of games are affected by them, even if they just have characters playing poker during the gameplay, uh, they m- will fall under uh, gambling regulations because they show gambling. Okay. So it was just an interesting change that was unexpected because uh, the uh, producers weren't told about it. Mm. It just happened. They, they were rated 3+. plus. They'd been out for almost a month, and then all of a sudden they became 18+, plus and got pulled from stores worldwide. So, uh, it was just an interesting little change. Uh, they're expecting to get back into a lot of the stores, but not necessarily all of them. Uh, just depending upon the regulations. Now, the other game I've been playing a bunch of Pacific Drive. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning. (sighs) This game is, it has given me. One of the biggest scares I've ever had playing a video game, ever. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I kind of mentioned it gave me one of those moments on the Discord uh, last week, right after it happened. So in this game, there is a section of land that has been like walled off by the government for years and years and years, and you get pulled into it. And it's a very uh, uh, spooky things going on and anomalies and weird things happening. And you're trapped in it, and you're trying to get out. And uh, it's one of those games where 
people can talk to you, but you can't talk back to them mm, uh, because okay. they're like over a radio. So they're kind of trying to guide you and help you uh, find things you need. But there's a lot of, you know, going out and collecting uh, uh, material and, and refuse and, and, and looting stuff, trying to build up your station wagon to make it better uh, and to get the stuff you need to escape. So I'm off on one of these collecting runs and um, I don't have any, I don't, it's night, it's dark. So I'm walking around with a road flare uh, to light my way. Cause I don't have a flashlight cause I haven't researched how to make flashlights yet. And I haven't found any flashlights. Yeah. You don't want to know how. So uh, I've got a road flare and <clears throat> I've been, you know, exploring and I'm, I'm away from my car and I'm sitting in some little one room uh, storage building uh, cutting and I'm going to go start cutting some stuff up, but I need my hands free. So I turn around and I toss the road flare behind me. So I've got light while I start cutting all this stuff free. And when, as soon as I toss the road flare, I get an achievement. It goes, bloop, mm. anomaly distracted by light source. Mm. And I'm like, what anomaly? <laughs> And I'm like searching. I mean, it, this is literally a one room shed. I'm looking around everywhere. It's like, there is nothing here. I don't see anything. What anomaly was distracted by my, I mean, I am freaking out. So I grab the stuff real quick, light a new road flare just because the other one's starting to go out. And I walk out the door of the building. The building is completely surrounded by mannequins. Mm. that were not there when mm. I came in. <laughs> there is a ring of mannequins surrounding the building. Mm. And I'd seen a mannequin earlier. Yeah, but uh, just one. Just one. Uh, uh, and it was a long way away. Yeah. And I like, we've got, like, you've got this thing so you can scan anomalies. And it's like, oh, it's a traveler. And and they're just appearing random places and nobody knows why they're there. But they're, and there's this like, weird comment about what happens if you touch one. So I just, just, it doesn't tell you what happens. It's just like, have you seen? Oh, yeah, I've seen. So I assume I don't want to touch them. The building is surrounded by them. I'm looking around. They are everywhere, like a ring of them. And I have to pick my way through around them. And I start running back to the car. Mm-hmm. And the uh, as I'm running back to the car, I see another single mannequin out on the road, not too far from the car. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. I'm running, 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 running back to the car. Uh Drop my road flare, unload all so to light every keep everything lit up. I unload everything into the back of the station wagon, and then I turn around. That mannequin is five freaking feet away from me, staring straight at me, <laughs> because the torch had gone out while while I was doing mm-hmm. it. So it's just like right there, and it's like it's like okay. If there's no light and I'm not looking at these things, these things move. So I, I have a new, I have a new flare going and I'm like spinning around all of the mannequins that were around the building are like 40 feet away between, between the building and me, almost to me in the car. So I realize what my problem is. So I jump into, so I drop the road flare. I jump into the car and I start the car and I start to drive and I'm like, screw this mannequin. I'm going to run them up. They explode. <laughs> I hit it and it exploded. My car went flying. Mm. And then I ran away from this giant line of mannequins chasing behind everywhere on that map. I would turn around everything. Like I would be like tracking through a yard and there'd be like a like mannequin that's just like from the waist up half hidden in the grass that I almost ran into everywhere I turned around there were mannequins everywhere <laughs> I wouldn't see them I'd run into a building I'd come out and there'd be like five mannequins out 
They were everywhere. Oh, man. I was just freaking. Every time I turned around, there was a mannequin. Oh, I'm working on tearing apart an old car to get parts to fix my car. And I turn around. There's a mannequin. There was nobody around me just like five minutes ago. Now there's a mannequin right next to the car. Mm. Scared the bejesus out of me. Having a good time, though. That's good. Okay. I did not actually enjoy that. I was glad when I got out of that yeah, section. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, the next yeah. section I went into had no mannequins. It had other anomalies that were annoying, uh, but not as terrifying. Okay, there was one that has a magnet thing, and it will grab your car, and it'll just tow you. And it towed me off the road and through the woods and was slamming me from tree to tree to tree in the car when I could do nothing about it for a mm. while. And then I had to drive back out. I, I don't have off-road tires on the mm. car, so it it, it it was not great. My car was very beat up by the time I got done with that one. So your car survived the explosion? Yes. Yes. No, your car survived the explosion. There's some implication that your car might be an anomaly itself, mm. but I don't know. I'm not far enough in the game to really know any to know that yet. Uh, other not to have it like confirmed that it's something. I was special. waiting for you to say that you you were going to try, try, try and drive through it, and the mannequin was in the passenger seat with you. Oh god! <laughs> I, I mean, every time I turned around, look behind me to back up. I, I always expected to see one sitting in the back seat. Mm. But yeah, no, it's it's yeah, freaked me out. So, uh. Other than that, that, that's really, those video games, those two games are the ones I've been playing almost continuously uh, since the last time we talked. Uh, otherwise, in video games, uh, no surprise for what's been happening in the last several months, layoffs continue. Uh, Sony laid off 900. That's 8% of their total workforce. They completely closed their London studio, uh, including the game that they were working on. Uh and there's an unknown number. They they've confirmed that they are they have shuttered many projects. They won't say how many projects, but several projects have been completely ended. Uh, the layoffs include Insomniac and Guerrilla Games. Both have had uh, major layoffs within them. Uh, Guerrilla Games uh, is who did the Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, the hide in the tall grass specialists. Yes, the. Uh, EA also laid off another 670. Um, they're streamlining operations, sunsetting a bunch of games, and moving away from development of future licensed IP that they do not think will be successful in changing the industry, whatever that means. But what that does mean is they canceled uh, Respawn's first-person Star Wars game, mm. uh, which means EA has canceled, yeah, they've canceled so a lot many of Star, Star Wars, Wars games. Yeah, it's, it's bad. I, I mean, that's why a lot of people have been like, once the 10 year deal was up, is EA going to get to continue? And a yeah. lot of people are like, they better not because they don't do half of, or maybe even over half of what they said they were going to. Yeah, they, they keep announcing games and half producing them and then canceling them. Uh, they're all, they also uh, are winding down Ridgeline Games. Uh, Ridgeline Games was making the, the single player Battlefield game. That's being moved to Criterion. Uh, so. Lost Battlefield 2042 was so bad. I was mad I bought it. It was so bad. (laughs) 
It's one of those where it's like, I have regrets. I tried. I tried. It just, oh, they made so many. They changed the game so much, and they made so many mistakes with it. It's, anyway, I don't want to whine about it. but It's almost like when you go that start going that far in the future with those games, it starts to become a problem. Because like, Call of Duty had the same issue when they went with their very future I mean, one. It was. It wasn't so much like the tech stuff. Was, anyway, now I am whining about it. It, it was more... They they made a big shift to like these operators. Like they like looked over at Rainbow Six Siege and were like, let's do this thing instead of what Battlefield was known for. And it got overly complicated because of that. And you were really limited in your loadout choices because they were split amongst all these operator types. And then the map sizes. They were so, you know, talking back to Shark Eat Ball, could versus should, they they made these huge worlds and then it's like, but the vehicles weren't working the same way in terms of where and how they spawned. So I, there were plenty of instances where I would have to spawn somewhere and I would be like running for three or four minutes to get back to the combat because I didn't have a vehicle. And, and, I get, and I get headshot from a sniper before I'm even in a fight. And it's like getting headshot from a sniper was common in Battlefield, but... I wouldn't have to, like, if you weren't in a vehicle, it wasn't, like, a big problem to go and engage and do something fun. And right. this, there was an awful lot of, let's just be by myself out in the grass. <laughs> Yay. Anyway, so it's just, it was stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, CIG, the Star Citizen Ooh. developers. Uh, Final release? No. Oh. oh, gosh, no. Okay. No, they... Uh, they're doing a large number of layoffs. Really? They like have infinite money, though. Yeah, basically, they've raised over half a billion dollars. But their layoffs aren't... They're not officially doing layoffs. I don't understand. They are playing the game. Uh, they had announced that they are doing a full return to office. But when they announced the full return to office, one of the things they did uh, was they decided to relocate and co-locate teams from where they were originally to new areas or to new places, Mm. uh, which would have required a lot of their people to move. Okay. And then thus, that's not a layoff because those people chose not to uproot their entire lives to move Mm. to be able to continue this job. So they didn't lay those people off. They just could no longer work here. Yeah. 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 So, okay. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Clever. So uh, Clever there, there have been a lot of complaints coming out from people who have been who have been caught by this. Uh, for the simple fact that they are saying it's a toxic work environment, and that people were calling this out as what was going to happen, and and, and the the upper management was like, no, that's not what's going to happen, and then that's a hundred percent what happened. I mean, I'm and I am in no way going to dispute the toxicity of the environment, but what work? Well, yeah, well they're doing. They ain't ever getting anything done. So, <laughs> hey, this isn't like pre-alpha, alpha, alpha. I mean, I I understand why they're angry, but hey, silver linings. Maybe they could work on a game that will get released. People, yeah, that the public will actually get to play. I mean, because they're getting to the point where where some of their game uh, uh, designers are going to start dying of old age before the games actually come out. Yeah, you know, the a lot of times you see the little list of production babies. There's going to be production deaths on there this are, one. Th- yeah. Probably both. And production grandbabies who will also yes, be working on grandbabies who will also be working on the game. So, uh, Rockstar. Speaking of return to office, Grand Theft hype. Grand Theft hype indeed. 
they've went ahead and uh, ordered a full return to work for GTA 6 developers. Mm. Uh, they all have to return to the office for um, security and productivity reasons. Security stuff leaking. I'm thinking that's what it has to do is because they've had so many high-profile leaks uh, that they're wanting to pull stuff back and keep them on internal servers. And productivity uh, equals star citizening. Right. They're not working hard enough. Yeah, because that's 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 the ongoing thing. Uh, Nintendo uh, not doing layoffs. Mario hype. But instead they're suing, which they're uh-huh. also very good at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're, they're suing the uh, creators of the Switch emulator Yuzu, uh, and they claim that more than a million copies of Tears of the Kingdom were pirated. I wouldn't be surprised at either stat. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised at them suing Yuzu because mm-hmm. this is what they do. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a million copies pirated. That, that does feel a bit high. But. but apparently Yuzu had access to Tears of the Kingdom and they had it on their emulator a week before the launch date. That would explain a lot of it then. Because who doesn't want to play the demo early? Right. <laughs> so uh, in this case, they, they're, the they're claiming the, the game, game was unlawfully di- distributed distributed a week and a half before its official release, and they're seeking damages and for the emulator to be shut down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Well, you know, with Nintendo, it's more about them always telling you Nintendo don't. Yeah, they are very much. I mean, they are not. I can understand them in this in this specific case. I can understand, sure. especially an emulator for your modern machine. I, I I have less sympathy for companies going against emulators for machines that they haven't supported in forty years mm. uh, than than I do for them. I mean, I understand why they have to. I just have less sympathy for it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Then 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 they people going for like this right here, but Nintendo has been very big into because remember there's a point in time where you couldn't even stream yourself playing a nintendo game because they would come after streamers so uh they 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 still very much have that going on um toys for bob is leaving activision blizzard after the buyout Mm. Uh, they're the studio behind crash bandicoot 4 skylanders the spyro remasters uh so they're becoming an independent company again. Though they are putting together a deal to continue to work with Microsoft, but they're pulling uh, away okay. to become an independent company. Hmm. I mean, I I think I've played a Crash game. I I just, I've played Spyro. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I um yeah, there might I mean, if They've got enough known IP. It's niche, but they they might be okay. Like, think, they I might think, feel okay not having the support of the same level of support of being like fully beholden to Microsoft. So my assumption is that they don't fit very well into Microsoft's ecosystem, and mm. they probably had concerns about their team being uh, reassigned or laid off. Okay. Is what my guess it would be. So they are taking the opportunity provided them to exit and maintain their own individuality. So, uh, and the last thing is I didn't have a whole lot for this week either. Uh, Power world. (gasps) 
Pokemon wannabe hype. Pokemon wannabe that hasn't been sued yet. Somehow. Purportedly, they did a lot of checking before they came out uh, to uh, have uh, all of their ducks in a row. All of their ducks armed with guns. In yes. A row. Like, like modders have been sued. Mm. Like the mod, because they're, sure, they're putting Pokemon in it. Right. Because modder gonna mod. Right. But, but the actual company itself had, had did the work right that they're, not cross that line. They're probably dancing on the edge of that cliff right there, mm. but they, 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 they're still on the edge. But uh, they exceeded 25 million players in the first month. 10 million of them, uh, I'm sorry, 15 million of them were on Steam. 10 million of them were on Microsoft. Uh, I have it written wrong in the notes. Uh, 15 or 10 million of them were from Microsoft, but mm. they don't know how many of those from Microsoft were people who got it from Game Pass ah. and how many people who paid directly for it. But 15 million of their 25 million users were from Steam. So, uh, they currently have a major cheating problem from what I've heard that they're working mm. on. Uh, but that's pretty impressive. And they're also doing a collaboration with Microsoft, um, a giveaway collaboration for a customized Xbox Series S and four controllers, where the the Series S is going to have the box art of the game oh, okay. uh, on it, and then the controllers are each going to be individually themed around one of the pals. Uh, so it's, it's what's a, your like favorite giveaway. pal? I, think, I don't know. I've never touched. I it. think mine is Science Bass. He turns into uh, Jerry Yost <laughs> and uses a Gatling Dennis, gun. my favorite pal is you. You're my favorite pal. But when he's in his science bass form, his his only his only attack <laughs> is uh is squirt. Yeah, yeah, squirt. squirt. That's what it is. Uh, it's ineffective. Excuse me. It is not effective. There. Yeah, there that way you're not suable. <laughs> yeah. We should make our we should make our own. We could call it like um like Buddy Planet. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I bet you Power World, we could probably talk to Power World, make a Power World pinball machine. Yeah. But which pal would have to eat the ball? I don't know. See the thing is, is I think there should be a giant ball that eats the ball because you can make stuff be cannibalistic. Do you think that uh, Multimorphic made a mistake not having an R-O-U-S eat the ball in the module? I think they made a mistake not having Andre the Giant eat the ball in the module. <laughs> I am the uh, brute squad. No, I, like, I, uh, <laughs> it would be funny if they could. It's, it's too bad that he passed away because it would be funny to get him to do the call. It's to be like, I am the dread pie. <laughs> it just gets even more mumbly. <laughs> when the ball is in his mouth, he has to mumble even more. All of his dialogue was redubbed with mumble mode. Because they have those With, long scenes. <laughs> yeah. That'd be the ball. Since it's going to be mumbling, does, does that mean that when we eventually get to a point where we get a Nirvana music pin, that oh. Kurt Cobain's <laughs> head will swallow the ball and it'll all, all the lyrics will go mumbling? Honestly, if Multimorphic did it, they probably have the rights to do the Weird Al version and it could just start playing that version whenever <laughs> the ball is in Cobain's mouth. But, um, you know, it is kind of interesting that there's not been a Nirvana pin. Suppose it's still a little too modern, maybe. 
Maybe, but there's Foo Fighters now. Yeah, that's where I I pause a little bit. So, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. It could I, be, it could be because you know, I mean, the rights and everything are weird. Yeah, that, it wouldn't. Yeah, that's licensing is always a mess. So. Always a mess. But you know what isn't a mess? The end of our episodes. And you can reach out to us at eclecticgamerspodcast.gmail.com if you have any comments. We are also accessible at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast, though we do prefer messaging not be sent through there. It's easier for us if you do it through email. And if you want to support the show for as little as a dollar a month, which reminds me, I need to get the March Babies First up. It is created, guys. I just haven't uploaded it yet, but I do have a March Babies First ready to go. You can support us at patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. We're available on Twitch and Instagram as Eclectic underscore Gamers as well. And uh, our next episode will be the TPF episode. So until then, my name is Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye. See ya.